Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Herman Simon. Herman is a world-renowned management thinker, consultant, pricing expert, entrepreneur, and leading authority on the Hidden Champions business model. He's the founder and honorary chairman of Simon Kucher and Partners, the world's leading price consultancy with over 1,700 employees and 42 offices worldwide. Herman is the author of 40 books in 30 different languages, including the worldwide bestseller, Hidden Champions, first published by Harvard Business School in 1996. Thanks so much for joining me today, Herman. Hi, Diane. Um, So we're going to be talking about um, profit, which is such a huge topic. And I would really love to start with you um, explaining to the listeners what profit actually is. There are so many different definitions of profit that it's really disturbing. For me, profit is only, I call it true profit, what the company or the entrepreneur can keep after he or she has fulfilled all obligations towards employees, towards suppliers, vendors, banks, the state, only what the entrepreneur can keep. So what we call net profit after taxes, after all costs. That's the only true definition of profit. Everything else is obfuscation and fogging. And there's one other definition of profit, which I really like. Profit is the cost of survival. So it's not something nice to have at the end of the year. It's like a cost which you have to earn, to plan, to budget from the very beginning. So what you can keep after having paid everything which you owe and profit is the cost of survival. Oh, that's great. I love that. So let's talk about the causes of profit weakness and what business owners can do about them, if you would. Yeah. There are many causes of uh, profit weakness, and in general, we must say that uh, the the true profits are much lower than people think. We did studies in Germany, the United States, and in Italy. In in Germany, people in the street think that the net profit is 22% of revenue. The true number is 3.4%. In the United States, people in the street think that the true that the profit is 31%. The true profit is a little higher. The margin is 4.9%. So there is a total misunderstanding 
offset the profit margins. And behind the weak profit margins, there are a number of reasons. The first one is that you pursue the wrong goals. If you are revenue, market share, volume driven, you will not get the optimal profit. For instance, a case, Volkswagen, a large automotive company, for years pursued the goal to overtake Toyota. And they achieved that eventually in 2018, 2019. But the profit margin of Toyota is twice that of Volkswagen. So what it, is it good for to, to become the number one in terms of cars sold of unit and have only half the profit and half the market capitalization? So wrong goals are one cause. Another very important cause are overcapacities. If there are overcapacities in, in an industry like in hotels, sometimes in, in, in airlines, uh, in, in many industrial sectors, the profits are always very low. Why? Because everybody tries to get the new order, the new project, and uh, offers prices in order to employ his workforce. That leads to destruction of profit. Another cause is to be in the wrong industry. Look at airlines. How old are airlines or is the airline sector? Roughly 100 years. Cumulatively, the airlines have not earned a profit in 100 years. In some years, they are profitable. In other years, they make losses. If you sum it up, there's no profit. And... Uh, so there are many, many, many other causes which a company may not have under control. For instance, high taxes. Uh, if we look at an international comparison, one of the countries with the highest net profitability, as I defined it, is Switzerland. And the reason is that the taxes are lower in Switzerland than in Germany. Other conditions, industry structure are similar, but in Switzerland, the net profit is 8 to 9%. In Germany, it's only a little less than 4%. And I could give you a, a, a dozen other causes, uh, for instance, conflicts between various business functions, between sales and marketing, between finance and production. If they do not align their goals, pursue different goals, then it's very unlikely that a company will achieve the optimal profit. So this, this is so interesting for me. It, it, when you were talking about the airline and you, you said, you know, in the wrong industry, it, it, go a little further with me on that because I want to make sure the listeners understand. Okay, so they haven't been profitable. So does that mean that the airline industry is not a profitable industry? Should it be handled in a different way? Or are they just not operating it 
in the best way? It's probably both. Okay. Some people say that certain entrepreneurs love airlines, uh, love being being a pilot or something. So that that money is flowing into the airline industry in spite of the fact that the profitability is so low because it's personal subjective preferences. Another problem of airlines is that the marginal costs of a seat are zero. If, an, if a, a plane flies with empty seats, the seats are there and the costs are not higher if the seats are occupied a little higher, but you can neglect that. And this means marginal costs define the lower price limit. The, the lower price limit for an airline seat is zero. I, I just had a visitor and he said his daughter flew to, uh, to Egypt for 45 euros euro is, is approximately the same as a dollar for 40 so it's 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 better for the airline to sell an empty seat at a very low price and fill the seat instead of flying with the empty seat but what does that cause and that is another very very important uh, factor of low profitability this causes, of course, price wars. Price wars yeah. are very effective profit destroyers. So they offer 45 euros. The competition also goes down. And uh, then both are at very low prices in a, in a price war. And at Simon Kutcher, we do regular uh, global pricing studies where we interview managers from up to 50 countries. and. On the average, 59% of the companies say they are in price wars. And the worst country is Japan. In Japan, 84% of the companies say they are in price wars. And interestingly, Japan is over the years, the country with the lowest profitability. So you see the causality there. Japanese are market share driven in particular. Toyota yeah. is an, an exception. I'm sorry, who's an exception? Toyota. I mentioned that Toyota oh, is twice yeah. as profitable as, as Volkswagen. Yeah. To, Toyota is actually not a typical Japanese company. Typical Japanese companies are, are very market share driven, so not so much profit driven. And uh, they are all the time engaged in price wars, which destroy profits. This leads me to a question about companies going public, which happens in the United States constantly. So why is it that, what is it, more than 80% of US companies are, go public without ever having turned a profit? Yeah, because they have been growing very fast and to, to many investors, growth seems to be more important than profit. And uh, we, wow. we experienced that already in the, in the first internet crash 20 years ago. And right. also again, in recent years, that companies uh, which can double their number of customers in three months or in half a year, 
and report big growth rates. And they then, which I think is a deception, they report fake profits. I, I, I don't give names of companies here, but some have community-adjusted uh, earnings before everything. So they include, for instance, the cost of customer acquisition, marketing costs, uh, because they say that's an investment into the future. So there's a lot of misleading information and misunderstanding on the side of the investors. On the other hand, uh, we have to admit that companies like Amazon, they were not profitable for 20 years, but they were growing year after year. So they have a good future and there an investment makes sense. But that's not true for many of the companies who go public collect money, uh, there's this one case from, from a recent case from Germany that went public in at Nasdaq last year, got a market capitalization of $3 billion and now they are at about 300. So they've lost 90% of the value. And I think this case is also deception. That the company uh, creates hopes, communicates in a, in a way, they, they even don't have any revenue, it's just, hope and promise and uh, people are too much trusting too naive and invest in these promises which often do not materialize yeah because they <clears throat> they want it so bad they see it happening and they think they want to get on that train yes so of that, course yeah 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 and I mean, if you were on these trains with, with Apple or Facebook 20 years ago, you're rich today. But right. uh, there were also dozens and hundreds of others with a similar starting position who do no longer exist, who, who have simply evaporated. Yeah. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. What are Germany's hidden champion businesses? What, What is that? Hidden champions are mid-sized companies which are global market leaders and little known. So my formal definition is a company which is top three in the world in its market, has a revenue of less than $5 billion and is not known in the public. And in my opinion, among the hidden champions, you find many, many of the best companies in the world, but nobody knows them. 
Let me just give you one example. Um, you probably never heard of LSTM. No. Um, but are you using Siri of, from Apple or Alexa from Amazon occasionally? You know it at sure. least. Sure. The software behind these systems is LSTM, which stands for long short term memory. And this software is installed on more than 3 billion smartphones. Or let me let you make a guess. How many suppliers does Apple have in Germany? I, I, I don't know. Any guess? Give me a number. I am a quant guy. Uh, <laughs> 20. How many? I'll say suppliers, vendors does have, uh, Apple have in Germany? Yeah, I, I'm going to take a guess and say 20 suppliers. 767. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? And you no. don't know any of Any those. of them. LSTM is one of them. Uh, and behind that is a, is a more fundamental issue, a lack of understanding what the economy is. Yeah. If I ask people, what is for you the economy? They say, yeah, that's automotive and Google and Facebook and a big aircraft, uh, perhaps Coca-Cola. That's not the economy. The economy exists of thousands of markets. Let's just take, take a, a number. Let's assume there are 20,000 separable markets, may also be 100,000, just to have a number. Of these 20,000, only 100 or 200 markets are large markets. And the remaining 98% are specialized niche markets. As you see, 767 suppliers from Germany are in Apple products, but you don't know any of them. You think it's all Apple. So the hidden champions operate behind the curtain of visibility, but that is the largest part of the economy. The, the value chains are very deep and you only see the surface of the end product. And this is the strength of, of the German economy. Our, our per capita exports, for instance, are five times the per capita exports of the United States. And practically all that comes from the hidden champions. We don't have McDonald's or Coca-Cola or Procter & Gamble, but we are operating behind the curtain of visibility. And uh, that's actually my newest book, which came out last week, Hidden Champions in the Chinese Century. Because the Chinese will be our toughest competitors, not the Americans. Uh -huh. So, okay, so this sounds to me like the best industries to be in are these industries that are like support, that are, that are behind the scenes, that aren't making all, that the people aren't aware of, that aren't making all the, you know, media splashes and going public and all of that. Is LSTM a private company? Most of them are private companies, okay. about 10% are publicly listed, but 90% uh, are not publicly listed. However, 
it's it's not easy there you really have to be very very good you have to be excellent yeah and um, the the three pillars of Sweden champions success are first the ambition to be the best in your market worldwide and many say them that even explicitly we only do it if we are the best in the market worldwide how do you achieve that by focus only focus leads to world class if you dissipate your competences you will not become the best and then focus makes a market small how do you make it big by globalizing if you globalize each market has a certain size which uh, is sufficient for a mid-sized company okay so i just love this concept because focus really is i mean so many businesses try and be all things to all people and they yeah, dilute yeah. the message right and it just it doesn't work you can't be yes that's that's absolutely true only focus leads to world class yeah right right so i listen to that and i think okay so any company then can have a healthy profit margin if they're focusing on, on the right things and in the right places uh, if their competencies lead to higher value true value for the customer if we talk of pricing uh, the topic of pricing is not price uh, it is value i've been yeah. asked this question thousands of times can you this is an old wisdom because the romans in their latin language have the same words word for value and price namely pretium like in precious and only if you deliver higher value to your customers you can charge a higher price so profit price value are very closely connected and uh, the hidden champions simply deliver higher value well because isn't that what they think of first i mean i, I think a lot of companies yes. make the mistake yes, of thinking of about price first right uh, it's the point um I said ambition to be the best. Ambition yep. to be the best is, of course, about value that yeah. you offer the best, highest value to your customer. Right. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. My question is about these concepts of purpose and stakeholder. Um, can you talk some about what those concepts are and, and do they really work? Of course, that's a very hot current uh, discussion. The uh, traditional shareholder value concept says that you should orient your whole activities to increase shareholder value. And uh, in, in recent years, we have this stakeholder value concept, which says that uh, customers, uh, employees, the community have also to be observed in, in, in your activities. And I think that is not a contradiction. I mean, it's, it's stupid to think if you don't do a good deliver value to your customers that you will create shareholder value. So 
it's it's for me not a contradiction. Many people who want to to build up contradictions or argue against capitalism say stakeholder value is better than shareholder value. Any reasonable entrepreneur has always provided value to the customers, has treated the vendors fairly, paid taxes, etc. So for me, it's not a contradiction. I think this contradiction is made up artificially by, by critiques of uh, the market economy of, of capitalism. And uh, I have a very nice um, sentence from the second dean of the Harvard Business School, Professor Donham. He said, we want to educate leaders who make a decent profit decently. Making a decent profit decently. I think that's a good motto for profit orientation, for entrepreneurship, but also for treating your customers and your vendors uh, fairly. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I do too, right. And, and, I, and I love this. I'm so glad I asked the question because I think way too many business leaders don't see the connection between treating their employees well and the profitability of their, you know, they, they think those things are at odds with each other and they're not. Yeah. Uh, the largest automotive supplier in the world is a company called Bosch. It was founded by Robert Bosch more than 100 years ago. And he said, I am rich because I pay my workers well. And, and that is, by the way, also similar to what Henry Ford said in connection with the, with the Model T. Uh, my observation is, and I, I know a little bit of the economy and have uh, visited, seen, consulted to thousands of companies, Companies who are doing well in terms of profit also treat their employees well. And the ones who, who incur losses, who are not profitable, also treat their employees badly. They have to fire people. They don't create new jobs. They pay lower wages, etc. So it's actually consistent. If, if a company is making decent profit decently it's also treating its employees decently i would yeah. say that's true in 100 percent of my experience do you think all of this um, has anything to do with what we're seeing today with um, companies not being able to hire that is a a new very prevalent very serious bottleneck uh, and that has to do with demographics. For instance, uh, in Germany, we had uh, 1964, for instance, 1. 1.4 million babies. In recent years, we have 700,000, half the mm. number of babies per year. And now the baby boomers are going into retirement and only half the number comes into the labor market to pay their pensions and to replace them. Of course, we have also had a lot of immigration, which, which fills the gap. But uh, this will increase the value of labor, especially for top talent. So for, for, for young people, 
who are qualified to who master something, the prospects are very good, actually. That is so, I'm, wow, that's great. I had not looked at it that way. The only thing I had looked at from a number standpoint was the number of adults who have died in the past couple of years from the COVID epidemic and, and how much larger that number was from normal years and, and thinking, you know, if any of that played into it, but I wasn't thinking about the uh, population growth or yeah, lack, yeah. you know, or shrinking. No, the number of people who died more than in an average year is not that high. And, and, and these were, that's a little sarcastic. Most uh -huh. of the people who died from COVID-19, yeah. they're old people. So yeah. they, uh, they, oh, do so they no weren't working anyway. Pensions and yeah. actually they save the social system money. That's uh, doesn't that's sound so nice, but that's the reality. That's really interesting. I never would have thought of that. Wow. I get it. I, I totally get it. Thank you for that. I, that is so great. I mean, not great, but you, you know what I mean. Um, so I, I so love this information, Herman, and I think it is incredibly valuable for people to pay attention to. I always say, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems is too many companies focus on revenue and not on profit. And so they're making money, but they're spending too much of it and then yeah. not being able, you know, not figuring out what's going on. Um, so thank you so much for spending this time with me. Will you let the listeners know how they can find you and how they can get your latest book, please? Or anything else you think they should know? The simplest way to find me to get the most recent information is to go to hermansimon.com. Herman with two N, simon.com. There you find all the recent information, the new publications and uh, videos, audios, etc. Excellent. Thank you so much. I think this was really tremendously valuable for the listeners. Uh, and listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.